0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. My name is Paul Ponte. I am joined today by the Lord of the Ups and Downs of What Culture
1: Wrestling, Simon Miller. How are we doing today? I'm good, thanks, man. How are you? Thank you very much for having me on and for calling me the Lord of Ups and Downs. That's quite the promotion from what I'm used to, which is like, you know, asshole, piece of trash. <laughs> Can't believe you didn't like that wrestling segment. It's all good. I love it, really. Now, it's good to be here, man. Yeah,
0: if there's one thing I've learned about internet wrestling fans is no matter what you say, you're wrong.
1: (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much, which is fine because I feel like it's like wrestling, right? As long as you introduce me to your rules and you stick to those rules, then I'm all good. As long as I can understand where we potentially could go, potentially couldn't go, then I'm a happy dude. So yeah, I know to expect flaming on basically Tuesdays Tuesdays and Thursdays would be the would be the biggest things. but dude, I tell you, I live for it, man. The more, the <laughs> merrier.
0: So I'm a big fan of uh, your punditry, especially when it comes to wrestling. Uh, one, because you're a very positive person, and I feel like wrestling needs more of that. Uh, especially, you know, when it comes to, uh, I feel like everyone wants to go and be the be a critic. Everyone wants to come on and, you know, scream about what's terrible about the wrestling world. But I, <laughs> but I love the fact that even if you're not digging something. I feel like you give it the
1: benefit of the doubt where you're like, let's see where this goes. I mean, that's always what I've tried to do. I mean, there's it, it, actually, you know, when I first got into all of this, I liked it, it, you know, even though it's a ridiculous job and I know how lucky I am to do it, I was still like, well, I'm going to treat it like a job, right? Of course, because that's, you know, you have to treat this stuff professionally. So, I mean, I was watching a lot anyway at the time, but I went and watched everybody. And that's kind of the the feeling that I got. I said, like, man, everyone seems to just hate pro wrestling. now." By my nature, I'm a very positive guy. So it was kind of just, I took that and I took what I thought was a, we'll call it a gap in the market to use the official term. And I was like, well, I'm just going to be the positive resting guy, not because it's forced, but because that's where my default is regardless. Plus, okay, I can see how this could fit in. And yeah, it's 100% true. I mean, I, people always go, it's a lie, it's a lie. I, I would, you know, I dare anyone to go through my stuff. I've never ever once said, that person is a crap wrestler, or that was a really, really crap match. Because, I mean, I say it in other ways, but my point is always that nobody goes out there to have a crap wrestling match. <laughs> nobody backstage like, man, let's go stink up the place, yeah. And even if they did do that, then it would be a success, right? And I, did, I always thought, I would never want, I would never want to have a match and then turn on YouTube and see some bored idiot go, oh, that was what, oh crap. I was like, no, I just don't there's enough people doing that, right? I'm not saying that anybody's above criticism. It's just I wanted to go a different way with it. And like you say, I think sort of benefit of the doubt was the right way. Doesn't mean that I won't say, you know, I didn't necessarily think it all clicked together, but I don't like taking unnecessary shots at people that are just trying hard. That seems like low-hanging fruit to me. <laughs> that seems really easy. Yeah. Uh, you got it. You got into uh,
0: you obviously were a, were a fan of wrestling for a long time, but you got into wrestling later than most. Uh, I'd like I'd like to ask you a little bit about how you this is mostly a podcast when it comes to like oh, that, that when it pertains to independent wrestling. So I want to know when you found out about the world of independent wrestling in the UK and then decided,
1: OK, I'm going to give this a go. Wow, I mean, well, in terms of, it's kind of phases when it comes to independent wrestling in the UK, because I remember going to sort of shows in my local gymnasium when I was like 10. And that's when you just had, you didn't have any, there was no named wrestlers. You had the dude that would dress up as Kane. <laughs> that's what you would get, right? <laughs> and as a kid, you're like, oh my gosh, Kane is in Stockley Centre. It's like, he's definitely, definitely not. And then it kind of, I mean... It didn't go quiet over here, but you had to know that it existed, right? It wasn't as in your face as it would get down the line. Um, but then my, I think my first proper exposure to it from an intelligent wrestling fan point of view, you know, when you actually sort of get involved there, yeah, it was probably about 10 years or so ago now, I would imagine when... I mean, I never really stopped watching wrestling, but there was a few years when I went to university that I did stop just because I didn't have access to it. So, you know, I kept up to date with it as best I could. And you come out of uni and it was around about then when I was like, okay, let's try and, you know, what's going on in the world? Like what's going on in the world of wrestling? And as soon as I saw that the independent UK scene was gathering a bit of momentum, I did. I went, I think it was in 2008 or something like that. I went to train. I was like, I'm going to be a professional wrestler And it was just one of those situations where mentally, I don't think I was ready for it. Well, I wasn't ready for it. You know, there's no two ways about it. But from that point on, I always kept an eye on it. And some of the guys that I'd met, you know, sort of my own training went on to do great things. And then to see how it blew up sort of, you know, 2014, 15, 16, maybe a little bit before that was just... I mean, it was crazy, right? You had all of these huge names, and then you had all of these news stories saying, oh, so and so is going to go here, so and so is going to go there. I mean, I remember when Pac, who was then Adrian Neville, turned up in NXT in what, like 2011, 10, 12, you know, something around that. Mm. It was 10 years ago, essentially. And now, look, he's just, you know, main event at AEW Dynamite. So it was probably around then. And when it really blew up and you had Progress and RevPro and who knows who else, you were like, wow, this is actually a viable thing that I can now enjoy like I do a WWE or whatever you want to call it and it's a shame the pandemic came along which really pulled the rug out underneath it but you know I see all I mean aside from the the speaking out stuff which absolutely needs to be purged before we get back into it I don't see why it can't get back to the heights that it was and then hopefully because we do get all the you know badness out of it we'll actually be in an even better position or at least that's what I would hope
0: Yeah, I feel like people, once everything is, you know, obviously once COVID is done with, you know, hopefully soon, (laughs) um, I feel like people are going to be clamoring to go to wrestling again. I know myself, I put, like, I was so used to the fact that there was constantly independent wrestling shows in in the Bay Area of California all the time that I would sit there and I would be like, I'll go to the next one. I'll go to the next one. And then all of a sudden, there's none. And it's driving me insane. And I wish I would have just gone to, like, the last few before you know
1: and, it's just what we do though isn't it i used yeah. to live by the beach i lived by the beach for about four years how many times did i go to the beach about nine <laughs> because it was right there I, was like, I don't need to go to the beach it's right there so no it's just human mentality i think yeah i know what you mean about the you know
0: when you see when you see people train and then you see them actually you know uh make something of itself it gives you like this i don't know what it is uh like for instance shotzi blackheart she wrestled over here in, in the in the bay area uh for hood slam a show which you've checked out which we are going to talk about in a second Absolutely. um and then uh my like my friend uh, th- this guy i trained with at uh, at pro wrestling iron for a little bit now he just made like an appearance in AEW dark a few weeks ago and to me like i that to me is like i love that like i, I you know what i mean i feel like and that kind of goes with the whole positivity that you that you like about wrestling is that I see that and I'm like, this, is, this warms my heart. I love seeing people succeed, especially when I know them. I'm like, yes, I, I love that. Um, but speaking of Hood Slam, you've checked out a Hood Slam match. Uh, we have a mutual friend, AJ Kirsch. Uh, please tell me what you thought
1: of your experience checking out Hood Slam. I think the best way I can describe it is that I was there, I've told this story before, but I was there with my girlfriend. Who knows, you know, when I met my girlfriend, she knew nothing about wrestling. She barely knew who Hulk Hogan was. Like, this is somebody, you know, completely removed from this world. And when we left, she said to me, if wrestling in the UK was more like that, I'd go every week. (laughs) I think that just, because it wasn't a wrestling event, right? I mean, AJ's talked about it loads. It's a party, you know, it's a a rave, whatever you want to say. There's no no barricades, people just surround the ring, everyone's having a good time, everyone is so loud for every single match. Like, it's basically a sustained pop for three hours or whatever, however long the show is. Um, I thought it was awesome. And I, I did have the same kind of feeling as her, I was like, I totally get it because you're going to get different experiences and different products depending where you are. But it was, I mean, that's up there, right? Because it's great for the performers because they work harder as you do when you have a good crowd. And it's great for the crowd because it's almost like everybody else is g'ing everybody else up. So it just keeps getting louder and louder and louder. It is awesome. And it's something that I would say, you know, if anybody's in the area when Hood Slam is is doing their thing, you got to go and see it. I don't know how somebody couldn't not enjoy it. Like, again, if my girlfriend, who knows nothing about it, comes away going, that just felt like a fun time. Sure, It'll be one person, because there's always one person. But, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. And I, I'm i sure there is probably something in the UK like that, but it just hasn't got the notoriety. Um, or maybe I just know more about Hood Slam. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, awesome. Really good. Some of the best independent shows I've ever been to, if I'm completely honest, because it's just such a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. like
0: you know, And then, and then of course, they have to fight the same way, because then people you know, the more negative folks come in and they're like, oh, that's, that's, you got some garbage stuff going on there. No, these are all trained wrestlers. (laughs) They they all know their shit. Like these, you know, these are, actual wrestlers doing great work so
1: yeah you get that on any independent show too though you're gonna get the sure. guys that are good you're gonna get the guys that are bad i mean look some people get on shows and they haven't been trained properly right that's another problem with wrestling there's no you know it's not regulated at all it's just you turn up to someone's warehouse and go, i'll train you okay cool and you hope for the best so no i mean you can't aim i've i've been on shows and i have wrestled people i've been like and look you know more power to them for doing it but it's like you don't you i think you probably had two training sessions tops and it's hard man it is hard
0: no that is that is like a stigma like a lot of workers i've talked to especially ones who are who train people they say oh like people will wash out of training and then they'll go open their own school yeah with and they're like they're like oh they got a ring so they think they can train people and it's
1: insane It's (laughs) wow that's not how it works. Well, this which is why like I was so lucky because when I decided I'm going to do it like, one last shot is what I called it in my head I turned it into my own pay-per-views like this is it you've tried like an abundance of times I just need you to get to have one match doesn't matter if you suck <laughs> you just need to have one match and the, my first thought was, well, where the hell do I go? And then the world and life smiled on me. And, you know, Al Snow opened up his wrestling academy about 20 minutes from my house. Where I was like, if I don't do this now, I'm just a bad person. Like, I'm just, <laughs> this has been handed to me on a platter. I'm going to go, no, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, when someone's name on it, you know, and I know some, there was some kind of controversy with it in the end, but when I was going, it was nothing but great Tutelage, Village, to be honest, and you knew that it was coming from a place where, you know, someone else know doesn't want to have his name and his reputation dragged through the mud, and that gave you confidence, but it is hard, of course it's hard, yeah, because, I mean, especially when I first tried, because, I, I mean, it was, it was, I, I'm trying to think, I can't even remember, but there was nothing, like, you could go on the internet and type in wrestling school, and it would be like, oh, this warehouse in Sheffield over here, so you go there, and it's just, it's a warehouse that's clearly not been used for about, 20 years. You're like, what the hell was that? It was just a bunch of nonsense everywhere. So at least now, most people know the good schools. But yeah, you can still turn up with some crazy ones. Some people still just teach themselves in their backyard. And the issue is that, you know, if you look at people like uh, the Young Bucks or the Hardys, they've smashed it. So you can't say that it's not a way to do it. But I think you have to be... You have to have... You can't just be an average wrestler if that's how you're going to get into wrestling. And you look at the Hardys and Young Bucks, they are top-tier talent. But, you know, why wouldn't you try? If you're inspired by those guys, the first thing you're probably going to do is, well, let's set a ring up in the garden and see what happens. But if that all goes wrong, <laughs> it goes very wrong. Um, yeah, don't don't throw yourself on your head in your garden. That's not going to help. So when you go into
0: training wrestling and you are a person who watches a lot of wrestling, you know, what is the first thing that you think – Okay, this is something I see a lot of wrestlers do that I don't want to mimic in the ring.
1: Oh no, I went the other way. I did it all. I, I, oh. <laughs> I, subconsciously, I subconsciously mimicked everything from like being put in a hammerlock and going. And, and tapping your shoulder like Ric Flair used to do. And I remember like I remember being told, why are you doing that? And I just said, Ric Flair does it. Are you Ric Flair? Maybe. You don't know. Um, and they said, like, if you actually think about it logically, why would you ever slap your shoulder? They're like, Ric Flair does it because he's Ric Flair. Ric Flair can do whatever the hell he wants. you got to sell where the pain is. Yeah, so I did all of that kind of stuff. But it's really good to hear, because you soon start realizing that not everything... You are seeing on television is the right way to do things. Doesn't mean you can't adapt your own sort of quirks like you know, like that along the way. But when it comes down to the fundamentals, you've got to make sure there is almost a, a template you need to stick to, and then you can start building on it on top. And I never, I never really thought about it that way. I just thought, you know, Rick Flair, Triple H, The Rock, I don't know, Harley Race, whoever they've all made it to the main event level. So therefore, I should just watch what they do. But I think most people do that. And it's great to be told no you know, come up with your own thing, because that gives you confidence too. So, I mean, I, I knew going in that I was never going to be a super flippy doodah guy. That was just, it's just not my chemical makeup. Not that I don't like doing stuff off the top rope, I do. But, you know, if someone said, you know, go and do a 450, I just don't think, I, I don't think I have it in me. And the fact I don't think I have it in me means I probably don't, because you need to be, I always say this, we have, honey can the right word, but we have forgotten how hard wrestling moves are. Like, you know, somebody mucks up a 450. mucked up a 450. Yes, he mucked up the move where he spun around twice in the air after jumping off a pole. Like, it's really hard. Of course he's going to screw it up. But now outside of that, it was mostly, I just wanted to learn. I think the biggest compliment I ever got was when one of my trainers said, "Millie, you're like a sponge. We just tell you stuff and you seem to have it. That is what I wanted. I just wanted to be teachable, really. And for every single session every single match, the guy got a little bit better. I got a little bit better. And I know that the idea is to have, oh no, I want to be WWE champion. I'll let everybody in a secret. While that would be awesome and you know, if I get the call, excellent, that was never my goal. My goal, like we said earlier, just have a match and then mm-hmm. take it to the next one, take it to the next one because, you know, ultimately getting into it as late as I did in terms of the actual doing it side, you it's going to be a pretty amazing story if that happened. And hey, look, I'm not saying that it can't. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be something that would be excellent but I also think when you get two dragged down in that stuff i think you forget to enjoy it and that's the everybody, i get uh, really nice when people get in touch with me and say miller what's the number one bit of advice you'd give me before my first session i go, just find a way to enjoy it because if you're not enjoying it what is even the point if you're not doing it just walk away i like, don't put yourself through hell it's, yeah. life is way too short wrestling is hard enough uh
0: if you're not enjoying it please don't <laughs> you yeah. just, you're, you're really just gonna set yourself up for for a lot it's of bad true. yeah it's true uh, I wanted to kind of get into that mindset as far as um, I've been, I've actually found uh, your fitness videos to be amazing. Thank you, man. That means a lot for a couple of reasons. One, uh, once pandemic started, um, I was like, I'm going to, you know, pick up some more hobbies. So one of those hobbies, like for instance, I learned how to brew beer. Um, nice. The, the problem with that is that now you have beer everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and and it is very, and, and I started realizing about a month or two in um, I need to do something to counteract all of this. Uh so uh one of my a couple of my big fitness inspirations, one was my friend Luke who's a pro wrestler uh in the United States. Uh he constantly posted his fitness stuff and I was like, "You know what? Like this is motivating." The other was your fitness videos because I felt like you can, you had a very practical approach to just discussing fitness and entering the gym and I don't know speak to me about your philosophy on it because obviously you're jacked but you you don't <laughs> speak like most jack dudes on youtube
1: so well, let's go into you, that you've hit the nail on the head um i think you, i don't think you should ever everyone's look, and, and, and those big jack guys on youtube they're smashing it right they're doing really really well but i sometimes feel the way they speak makes it sound like the gym is some exclusive club that you can only enter if you tick certain boxes, which is absolute nonsense, because apart from a few genetic freaks that are walking this planet, and they do exist, everybody enters the gym the same, scared, intimidated, and with no idea what the hell they're gonna do. And and I get it, it's almost like a bully mentality, isn't it? When you're bullied as a kid, then the bully accepts you. You sometimes go and bully other people with the bully, because you're just so terrified of being bullied again and I think that happens with um this gym mentality I just can't stand it I just I just think it I think it's ridiculous I think it hounds people out of going to the gym in the first place and I also don't think I'm better than anybody else because I like lifting weights above my head to me that isn't that's not it's not there's no moral High ground there. It, I'm just lucky in the sense that whatever reason, the way I'm wired is, you know, put some loud music on me, and you know, throw some pre-workout back, and I can spend the next 10 hours in the gym and I'll be a happy guy. That's actually that's a benefit of, you know, if you want to be fit and healthy and going to the gym is like going to a theme park, you're all good. So much like you, I wanted a new lockdown project. I'd had my own YouTube channel for a while. I never really knew what to do with it. It was more just like a stream of consciousness, which I always enjoy doing. And because all of my outside projects dried up as well as wrestling. I was like, okay, well, let's do something with my, with my YouTube channel. And just coincidentally, I did a random video about muscle growing, building, whatever, and it did all right. So I thought, okay, well, there's something I can hang my hat on and go with. And yeah, it kind of just turned into a thing that I was enjoying. Again, I had all this time and I did feel like somebody should be telling people, <laughs> I'm not saying I have a huge audience, but whoever was willing to listen, I felt like it would be good to, for somebody to say, gym bros are morons (laughs) not all of them Some, you know the gym bros that tell you you're a bad person for not going to the gym you need to get up at three o'clock in the morning you can't eat carbs it's like this is just bad erroneous information it's not fair and if somebody wants to get in shape and they're especially overweight they're going to be even more scared about it if someone's feet and if then they go from eating all this food to no carbs it's going to last four days and they're going to completely break and they're going to go on a binge it's like Who wants that? So, yeah, again, it was um, a matter of circumstance. I've always seen that with the gym. I don't think you, you do get the this type of person that thinks, oh, because I've managed to get myself down to 6%, 7% body fat, that I'm – look, you're incredibly dedicated, and I massively respect you. But you can be that guy or you can be a really fat guy. It doesn't matter. That doesn't make you a good or bad person, and we should all be allowed to go to the gym. I think that's probably should just be a given right.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate – uh you know, I, my, my brother-in-law calls it bro science yeah, uh, please, yeah, yeah. And, and I appreciate you're like, no, listen, calorie deficit means you lose weight. That's it. <laughs> like I, 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 I love like here when you hear it in more simple terms like that, you know, because there are people that come out there, they're like, well, no, but if you eat this at this time of the day, then you eat at this oh. at this time of the day. Then it's, it's like, OK, let's let's break it down to the simple you know, brass tacks here. And then that's what you do, which is what I appreciate. Thanks, man. There is a market
1: for that. Like, you know, the whole scientific approach, I get it. If you're a, you know, a, a, an advanced lifter, you probably do want to learn that kind of a thing. But that's the other issue, right? There is this, this gateway to getting into fitness because I still get the comments on my videos oh, so the way you explained that was so stupid. It was so simple. And they'll just copy and paste something that they've clearly got off somebody else's website. I'm like, bro, <laughs> we, we could do it like that, but I'm, that's not who I'm addressing. Like, I'm, I, I don't have any kind of qualification in in biology or anything like that, you know, and I, I've learned about it and I'm happy to pass it on, but I feel, well, I always thought, what would I want to have watched when I was growing up and getting into it? I just would want somebody to have gone. This is how in most cases you put on muscle and this is in most cases how you lose weight. That's it. That's what I would have wanted. So, but yeah, again, this ties into this elitism when it comes to the gym that we can't even, you can't even say the man walks the dog. You have to say the man goes and finds his pet and he puts a leash around the pet. It's like just say the man walks his flipping dog, right? Stop. It doesn't anyway. Yeah, that's it. drives It drives me nuts, as you can tell. It's just too much. It's too much.
0: Speaking of uh, a little bit of that elitism and gatekeeping mentality, uh, did you have any guys uh, when it came to coming into wrestling that were like, "Oh, it's the YouTube guy. He's gonna, (laughs) he's gonna, he he thinks he can just come in and just step into the business." Like what? What? Did you did you have that kind of interaction at all with any workers?
1: Yes, <laughs> a lot. And it was okay because I was prepared for it. And this is this kind of, you know, I call it a journey. It's a stupid way to say it, but it does tap into my journey. It's the whole mentality thing that we talked about earlier. Sort of, you know, when I was just, because I started when I was 30, basically. And I was just, something happened to me when I clocked past 30. I was like, I just don't care anymore. Like, this is me. This is what I like to do. This is what I don't like to do. And if anybody else cares well that's for they can care i don't care man i just want to get on with my life so it was good that i had that going into it because i knew that there would be some people that had no idea that i'd trained for a couple of years no idea that i'd actually taken this seriously and just presumed it was a dude that made youtube videos about wrestling that went all oh, be a wrestler uh, so there was a lot of it but yeah because i had the courage of my convictions and because luckily i'm quite thick-skinned from you know being told to die on a daily basis <laughs> I just, I just, I felt like I handled it and managed it quite well. And the cool thing was, this kind of ties into the gym bullying as well. Like once you've proven that to people, you do start to get a little bit of respect. You know, I wasn't going in there saying I need to do this and I need to do that. I was very, you know, all open did, very quiet, again, respectful. And I think eventually that became two ways. But yeah, there was a good, my first few matches were, that conversation. I don't want to lose to the YouTube guy. (laughs) It's like, dude, I am the YouTube guy, but you'll be incredibly amazed to hear that I am a multifaceted person. (laughs) It's not the only thing I do with my life. But man, it's it's all character building. And if it wasn't, that would be something else, right? If you're the new guy in town, they're always going to find something to try and pick you apart. And the best thing you can do is just smile and nod and do your thing. And I like to think I do do that. And I like to think, well, obviously not for the last year because of the pandemic, but hopefully when I do go back, um, that will still be there, and if not, I'll try and build it back up again. Yeah, that's
0: uh, that, that's why the podcast is called the uh, the indie handshake because uh, we 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 always joke used to joke around about the the wrestler handshake. You know, you get the little the little <laughs> limp. Uh, it, how did you find that social aspect of wrestling? You know, obviously the the, the bumps hurt. Obviously, you got to learn all the style. Obviously, the co- what about like the social stuff as far as like you know locker room etiquette and all that stuff?
1: I think. Because, I, because I've because i worked in wrestling, not necessarily, you know, wrestling itself. But because i worked in wrestling for so long and because I wasn't just a fan. I was a guy that went out and researched not only for pleasure, but because of my job. I knew about all of those things from reading other people's experiences. So I kind of knew what was expected in a wrestling locker room. And I like to think that by my nature, I'm quite um, affable and respectful and stuff. At least that's, that's the way I try and be. So actually, I was okay with it. Um, I think we live in a different world now, but I do think it, you know, when you hear the stories about certain people that just weren't clued up on this stuff mm-hmm. and it kind of, you it's almost like you fall off a cliff without, you know, and somebody tells you, "Oh, that's, you know, you need to walk this way that I don't get because everyone is going to make mistakes if they don't know, it makes much more sense to educate. And I'm sure I would have fallen into that pitfall as well. If I, if I didn't know, but yeah, I was aware, um, And I guess the other good thing is, given that my first proper wrestling company was Defiant, which was WCPW, which obviously is owned by Culture, I had that kind of relationship already. So while I didn't necessarily have it with the wrestlers themselves, because I had it with the people running the thing, it probably did give me um, some protection, for lack of a better term. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I mean, if I hadn't have got it, that would have been fine as well. But it did allow me to sort of just not only kind of, you know, win everybody over at a sort of a more appropriate pace, but also be aware and make sure I do all that stuff too. But it is, it's, it's, I think it will change now. I really do, but I think it has, but it is, it was tough waters to, you know, to manage because if you don't know who the hell's going to tell you, no one, that's the whole point. you got to just try and guess because, you know, I always hear these stories about, oh, so-and-so didn't say hello to superstar, it's like, of course they didn't. You're a superstar. You're inti- you're intimidating. Yeah. Even though you're just a human being, that's not how people will see you. You know, when you see guys and girls on TV every single week, and then you see them in the flesh, it's like, wow. I, and who knows why that's how we act as humans? But it is. Um, so it's tough. But again, I, I really think it's changed, which ties into all the Undertaker stuff the other day. But we don't need to talk about that. that
0: yeah. Easy. No, I I mean, like especially like people like you know who have anxiety or anything like that. Like yeah. for instance, like I go to work every day and. I guess I don't want to say hi to the same people that I see every day. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I'm just like, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to get into a (laughs) thing. I don't want to say hi to them because I just feel like it's going to be a whole blah, blah, blah. Eh, Now imagine, now imagine you're going to a locker room where you don't really know everyone. And now you're just expected to be like, hello, 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 (laughs) hello. And you're like, Jesus, like, I don't, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of a pain in the ass, but I feel like now people are more educated as far as, you know the hazing, the bullying, all that bullshit. And you know, I, I asked I asked a lot of wrestlers on here. I said like, you know, what about like all the hazing stuff? And they're like, no one ever took a shit in my bag. And I'll tell you right now, if they did, I would have beat their fucking ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's it, right? Like you 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 pry on the people that I'm going to beat your ass. I would do yeah. so.
0: Brother, the the booker has ran out. It is time to take this bad boy home. I have a list of questions here to end the show on. Uh, Feel free to take as much time as you want on these. There is no hard rules for these. Uh, If not wrestling, because I consider wrestling very creative, what would you
1: like to do creatively? Oh, man. Uh, Music, actually. I thought that would be hard. No, yeah, music. Um, So, yeah, I mean, basically what happened to me is I got to 16 years old. And I just fell in love with wrestling, Batman, Metallica, and the gym. And it was like these are just the four things I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna hang my entire life on. And yeah, I went. I, I think the same day I heard the next, I heard Metallica, and I was like 16. And the next day, I just went out and bought a guitar because that was the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. So yeah, I've been in bands ever since then. Um, Again, not the last year. Thanks a lot, world. But no, I get it. There's more important things going on. So yeah, I would actually probably argue that creatively that's on a par with me, you know, with wrestling. That same feeling I get when you're putting a match together and it all goes off the same way is, is very similar to... When you, you know, write a song and uh, and go and perform and it all goes well. Unfortunately, when it all falls apart, it's also that same crushing <laughs> despair <laughs> that you get to. But I think that always comes from the things that you care about. So, yeah, I would throw myself into music, although I'm still trying to do that now. Uh, it's just, again, it's never going to be as prevalent as the wrestling thing just because of where, you know, kind of where I laid my hat professionally. But, yeah, it would be music. Absolutely. Well, now you've piqued my interest, obviously. Uh, what kind of what kind of guitar do you have? Uh, oh, dude, I got thousands. I mean, right, so over there now, obviously you can't see it. i got my ESP Truckster, obviously Metallica guitar. Uh, oh, and then nice. upstairs, I've got an ESP, oh, what's this? It's one of their Explorers. I can't remember the thing now. I got, an Ibanez, I got an Ibanez in the corner there. I got my Taylor acoustic over there as well. Uh, I got a Yamaha acoustic at my parents. You know, once you get into guitars, it's like, you, yeah. you buy. You don't need all these guitars, but you just keep buying them. It's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, I, I have loads. And obviously, I'm, you know, I'm a metal guy, so I just buy stupid-looking guitars that no one actually thinks is cool other than me. But I think they're cool. So oh, I, I love
0: the Explorer got body style. And I know this has gone completely off the wrestling rails, but uh, I, lo- I love the Explorer body style. But I have the uh, the Gibson SG with the, uh, the little, oh, you know, the devil horns on the top. Love perfect,
1: those. Man. Perfect. It gets, it gets on my list. One day. Uh, i will i will just buy that because i feel like if you want to be any kind of guitarist you need you need a gibson sg it's just how it works and a flying v obviously yeah Uh, i was gonna get the les paul but that shit is heavy uh anyway it is and it's always Um, expensive you can't get cheap les pauls ever and i get it it's because they're good guitars but just if it came down just a little bit it would be appreciated uh what is your
0: favorite mover hold that you do not use
1: Oh, do you know what? It's the Pile Driver, man. The Pile Driver or a sit-down power bomb. Um, I've only done one part. I've taken one and I've given one Pile driver. And you you notice straight away, oh yeah, man, it's hard <laughs> to do without <laughs> killing someone. So um, yeah, I, I don't think I would do it because I mean not now. Maybe when I'm more experienced and I had the confidence. And I let somebody do it to me. Like I've been Pile driven again just once, but it was done by someone that had so much experience. He did it fine. And I'd love to do more sit-down power bombs, but it's just the most used finish, apparently, in all of British wrestling. I busted one out on an indie show once, and two guys afterwards that's my finishing move two of them and i was like well you need to go and talk to the other guy then because you're about (laughs) to do his move and it was you know that was on me i should have got an ask i do understand the etiquette because if everyone's busting out the same moves what's the point you know if i hit a power bomb and then i totally understand the logic there but yeah i'd love to do more setup power bombs but every show every show there's so many setup power bombs i was like just yeah but it's great when you hit it it looks good it feels good it always gets a reaction it just works it's badass move
0: is everyone in the UK much like the US, where uh, the 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 V triggers are getting out of
1: hand? I mean, I wouldn't say out of hand, but I would say most matches, somebody goes, then I hit you with a V trigger.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I feel like one there's...
1: guy that goes knee to face. You're like, dude, just call it what it is. It's Stupid.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's there's too many knees. Uh, I saw, a lot of the guys I've talked to, they said when wrestling starts back up again, I'm cutting out the the knees. <laughs> They're just like, I can't. <laughs> It's like I I see it too much on TV. I need to stop.
1: It's anyway. true. It has. It, it's an epidemic. But again, look when people hit it well, it looks great. So I kind of understand. True. It too. Uh Finish the sequence. Drop down. Leapfrog. Mm, what I do? I probably do drop down. Hip toss. I mean, that's that, that's the standard one, isn't it? I'd probably just keep it really basic because otherwise, I'd be I'd be worried about screwing it up. So yeah, I would do the most basic running sequence in all of professional wrestling. Um. Uh, when you're
0: wrestling in front of crowds, uh, especially ones where they serve al- where they serve alcohol, uh, crowds can get a
1: little rambunctious. What is any crazy fan interactions you've had? Oh man! So actually, it was the last wrestling match I had, literally the week before they closed the country down. And it was a brand new promotion. It was one of those ones that I'm happy to travel anywhere for wrestling. You know, I get it's different over here in the UK compared to the States, but you know, I've traveled, you know, 12 hour round trips. So this one was 20 minutes from my house. So I was like, oh man, this is going to be great. And it was a good show, but yeah, somebody had drunk way too much. So during my entrance, they just ran up the aisle and they were like, oh, Miller, no, no, give me an up, give me an up and stuff. Let's take a picture. Let's take a picture. And I was like, dude, we can't, this is not the time to do it. Like we're trying to convey a certain character to the audience right now I can't sit down and have a conversation with you and then this guy just was louder than everybody else tried to get into the ring at one point and the referee had to stop him um when i got thrown out the ring and i was trying to sell he's in my face let's take a picture and i was like dude you're ruining this like you're absolutely <laughs> ruining it and yeah i think i don't i pretty, he wasn't there at the end so i don't know whether he got so sort of rambunctious they they, they asked him to leave but it was It was one of those moments when you realize why there are barriers and why even on small indie shows, sometimes I have a guy just to make sure that doesn't happen because it wasn't going to attack me or hurt me. I wasn't in fear of my life. But again, I wanted to get into character and I wanted to try and perform, but you can't when that's happening because you have this weird dichotomy where you're like, you know, Simon of the YouTube guy and now Simon of the wrestler. And you don't want to, it's more about, I don't want to crap on the other guys that I'm working with. Who's just you know give me some kind of badass slam and I'm taking a picture with someone that's just that's disrespectful to them but yeah that was the last match ever and that was too much and I said to the prior after I said next time dude you got you got to cut that stuff out it is not fair but uh not that it wasn't funny it was all good
0: yeah it's fun but you know like you said there there is a suspension of disbelief that we try to have in the moment when we're watching a match and if you're starting to <laughs> do
1: that it's kind of like yeah what's and, happening right now you know there was about another what 100 150 other people there so okay, it wasn't a massive show but it's still It took the focus away from what was going on in the ring because you have a loud guy shouting at someone. That's just human nature, right? Well, look over there. I was like, it's just not fair to the other guys who are smashing it right now. So, yeah, never mind.
0: (laughs) Uh, Besides hurting you, what's the worst thing someone could do when you're working with them in a match?
1: Chop me. (laughs) I know that's the most, like, pansy, stereotypical thing to say. But aside from, yeah, when moves actually go wrong and they hurt there is no wrestling move that hurts more than a chop. And I don't mind taking them. I really don't because they always get a good reaction. I understand it. But man, do they suck. They just suck. It just hurts so bad when somebody hits you properly. Like, you know, I've been German suplexed off a top rope. I've been, who knows what, you know, chucked around the place. But yeah, when someone smacks you with a chop gun and proper it's like well that was just no fun that was no fun for anyone and then when you hear stories about The Undertaker saying to Rick Flair you weren't chopping me or Bret Hart doing it, it's like I kind of understand and if flipping you know six foot ten whatever he really is The Undertaker or you know super technical wrestler Bret Hart being like I don't want to be chopped I'm like no I don't want to be chopped either although of course I will always i never say no because I think it's part of the match it always works like it's a really really good tool you can do too many of them of course but yeah, that would be that would be one of the that would be one of the worst ones. Or, and again, this is going to make me sound like a pansy too. I guess I'm just a pansy. But sometimes when people put on submission holds and just lock them on, and you're like, <laughs> you know the whole point of why we're doing this, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, this no, is work, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I won't say the person's name, but oh man, I must have owed him money. He just locked me. In, <laughs> he just locked me in his stuff, and I was like, "It hurts. My shoulder killed for about a month." But uh, again, I'll never say anything because. I truly believe this. I I, I think there's a line. I'm not saying there's not a line. If you start punching people in the face for real, you've gone too far. But, you know, if you know the kind of caliber guy you're working, that's how they work. It's up to you. You can say no to the match if you want to. Like You have that choice. But when you get in there, as long as they don't go too crazy and break anything, I think it's just... It's just part and parcel and when you when i watched it back i was like well it does look pretty good it's because it was it was real <laughs> essentially not you know 100
0: yeah well no like i i, I talked to a lot of guys who like were trained like in the japanese style of wrestling it's and they, exactly they, that yeah and, yeah and they and they'll say to you know their opponents before when they're in the back before the match they'll say we go in a little snug tonight and they'll be like yeah and they're like so it's a mutual like exactly. we're gonna lay in on each other and it's yeah, you know yeah. it's and it, you know well just off the top of your head who has the hardest chop you taken oh man
1: uh probably pretty bad bones i would probably say he's a german wrestler of people that don't know him he yeah he, he's just bad <laughs> 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 really 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 bad
0: uh when's a time you were legitimately surprised by a worker in the ring maybe uh you never worked with them before and when you did you thought man this chemistry is off the charts or you were just so impressed by how they worked
1: I think for me, it kind of goes the other way. It was my third or fourth match. I can't remember which one it was. And I was having a match against Nathan Cruz, who, again, is a UK guy over here. He's he, he's done a lot of, uh, he's been around a long time. And he's done a lot of sort of the, you know, the camp shows over here and stuff. And again, I was a flip did know, right? You know, third, fourth matching, completely green. And he genuinely, just to use the wrestling lingo, carried me to a three-star match or whatever you want to call it. He carried me to an average match. And I know he can have better. But at that time, I certainly wasn't capable of, that was my cap. And it was all him. You know, I did nothing. Um, You know, I was proud of myself for listening and reacting and doing all those kind of things. But, you know, I'd seen Nathan wrestle before and I always thought he was a good wrestler. I didn't watch him go, he's rubbish. But when I was in there and I realized sort of his mentality for all of it and how he was putting stuff together and how he calmed me down as well. Not that I was panicking, but you know, when you first start doing it, you're a bit nervous. It was kind of the first time I realized, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, when you're actually in the ring compared to watching it, it's the first time when I realized, oh man, some people just have this uh, general mentality to them, you know, where they can take control and and they know what they're doing. So yeah, it was absolutely that. And it really opened my eyes. I was like, man, you're so green, Simon. (laughs) You have so far to go. But that's all good. Like, I think someone the other day tweeted me, "Go, Miller! I just watched your matches and your crap." And I was like, "What did you expect? I'm not Kurt Angle. Like, if you go and watch, if you go and watch my matches, like my first 20 matches, I think he's not very good. Yes, like what, what? What? I appreciate the high hopes you had for me, but they were very unrealistic. <laughs> you should have rethought this. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it's all fine. I know when I have a good match and I know when I have a bad match, and I think that's the key, right? Um, it's like when my first ever appearance, I threw the worst clotheslines ever and it, it got put on YouTube, and all the comments were, like, Miller's the worst clotheslines ever. And I was like, Yes, I'm watching too. <laughs> like, it's, I'm well aware. Hey, uh, Lex Luger made it to
0: the heights of wrestling doing a terrible <laughs> clothesline. So, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> not true. to shit on Lex Luger, but his
1: clotheslines were terrible. <laughs> they were. And I think, yeah. I, and that's why I love wrestling as well. You can have a crap clothesline, but you can still get to the top because it's made up of about a million different things and you just got to put some of them together. Yeah. Um, Has a booker tried to stiff you on money? And if so, uh, what what was
0: an excuse why they did so?
1: Do you know what? Actually, no, never. It's it's one of those things that's like so common in wrestling, right? Everyone has been super good to me when it comes to finances. I mean, I've had to chase a couple of people, but they've forgotten. As soon as I've chased, Mm -hmm. them, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. And it's in my, you know, it's in my account that that, that day. So I don't know whether it's a UK thing compared to a US thing. Uh, But yeah, never got stiffed ever, which I massively appreciate, right? So, yeah
0: uh what's the hardest you've laughed at an indie show
1: oh man that's a good question the hardest i've laughed at an indie show probably at a discovery show in scotland i can't remember who he was facing but colt cabana was there and he was just doing all of his shtick and when he's just just doing all of his just all of the dumb stuff that he's done for years but i'd never seen it in person i'd seen it in ring of honor and on different youtube clips but seeing him doing it live and getting to chat to him beforehand as well because i was on the card too It just, it gave me a whole new appreciation for, I don't like calling it comedy wrestling because that makes it sound like an actual joke, but you know, whatever you want to call that kind of style. And he's so good at it. And, he, you know, his timing is impeccable as well. And he's a really good wrestler. Like, he finished it all off with this, that ridiculous moonsault he does, the, spring, the springboard moonsault. And I was like, man, he just tied all these things together effortlessly. But yeah, I remember watching it from the balcony, and I was just laughing my ass off. Because it was funny. It was funny stuff. I think he tried to bribe one of the people at one point. So I love stuff like that, you know. And I'm, I'm lucky enough, I've done one comedy match. And I thought it was, uh, yeah, it was, ironically, it was a barrel of laughs. So yeah, I give it to good old Colt. Who else? What's the worst gimmick you've seen? The worst gimmick I've seen. I mean, a lot of people like to play tough guys, right? That's the sort of stereotype, which is fine. You know, if you can you come across as a tough guy, you're probably going to do all right. I don't want to. I don't want to step on and I don't wanna ruin anybody personally. But there is one person who I know who I do like a lot, but his idea of tough guy was dressing like a tough guy, so he would wrestle <laughs> <in> like jeans. <laughs> and uh, like a polo... I don't know why he thought a polo neck was a tough guy. But he basically... He looked like a fan. He <laughs> just stood up and got in the ring. And I suppose, look, the fact that I remembered it must meant something. But it also... It did not look like someone that was ready to compete. And I remember always thinking... I don't know whether that's the smartest gimmick in the world. Because if I just walk in here and sit down there, I'm just going to think you're a fan that's jumped in the ring, which I don't think is whats is what you're going for. Otherwise, I mean, all the gimmicks that I kind of know, that they're all intentionally bad gimmicks. So it's hard to, you know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to crap on them. But that was, that was one of the few where I was a bit like, you know, take him to one side. So I, I think it's working, bro. <laughs> I think this is the way, but more power to him. He's smashing it. Good for him.
0: In the in the UK, you know, because it might be different than here. What are some like overused gimmicks that people are using on the indies over there?
1: Oh man, everyone's a posh guy, right? Posh guy, millionaire, come out in a uh, like a not a feather boa, what are they called like a uh, an animal scarf. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. What you know, you know what I'm talking like a mint yeah. scarf, and it's like, oh hello, and <laughs> you know, boo boo, we hate you. Some people do it very well. Don't get me wrong. Some people do it very well, but you see, uh, you see it a lot. The the the, the posh guy. Um, Maybe it's the accent. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. But yeah, if anyone is listening to this and I've worked with them, I just want to make it very clear. And I genuinely mean this. I'm just saying it. If you are one of these posh guys that I've worked with, I'm not talking about you because you did it very well. I'm going to remain nameless. And that way I don't, you know, bury anybody. But yeah, there are a lot of them. And I've seen a few. Where I'm just like this. We, we don't need to do this. We could come up with something else. All right. Yeah. Uh... This is going to be the last
0: question uh, for anyone watching this. This is a little bit rushed because Simon has a lot of news to report on today. The yeah. uh, if, this is in a couple
1: weeks. new Japan day. It couldn't have been a worse day to plan this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's totally fine
0: because uh, my last question is my favorite question. It's the touchy feely question of the podcast, which is your pure joy in wrestling, whether it be something before, during or after the match. The thing that gives you the goosebumps, the thing that makes you say, I fucking love this business. This is why I love wrestling.
1: I mean, it's and it doesn't always happen, of course, because you never know what kind of reaction you're going to get. Um, but yeah, the moment when you're, well, I'm a bag of nerves before I walk out you know, of the curtain. And then when you do get the desired response, the nerves vanish. All of a sudden, it, you know, you couldn't be more rooted in the moment. Anything you were thinking seconds before just floats away. And in that kind of 30 seconds or minute, whatever it is walking from the top of the ramp to the bottom of the ramp, getting in the ring where people are actually behind you or booing you or whatever is it's probably one of the greatest things ever i know it's like you know stone cold steve austin said it you know when the glass breaks and you get that reaction you may as well call yourself a junkie because you're hooked i mean just sums it up perfectly and of course i've never had thousands of people (laughs) reacting that way to me but it's the whole point it doesn't need to be thousands it just it could be 10 and if it's the right kind of reaction you do you just you just buy into it and i've said it before i genuinely think most guys would agree if their wrestling could just be music hits pop bigger pop when you come out you go around the ring and then you leave. They go, yeah, that's fine. As long as it, <laughs> that's how good it is, right? It's there's so you get so much um, other good feelings for being in the ring too. When when you you know you nail a sequence or you know you actually grab the right people at the right time and then you hit the finish and you get the big pop and stuff. That's equally as good, but. You know, there's there's just something magic. And I think it probably ties into my first match because it was a rumble. Everybody was using a rumble. And it had been announced beforehand. But I still didn't... Again, you don't know what people are going to do. Maybe everyone that night hated my... Because I knew they, there'd be some people that knew me from my YouTube stuff. I think it just stands to reason. But maybe they hate me for it, which is fine. I have to like my stuff. But yeah, I, I just I was so so nervous too. I don't have ever been so nervous in my life. I'd really built it up in my head, and then yeah, my music hit, and then everyone just gave me such a good response. It's still it's genuinely one of the best feelings of my life. And I've already told my girlfriend this. If we ever get married, marriage is probably going to be two. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> going to be number two because unless when I walk down the aisle, everyone's going, No, you're the best." It's like, no, no, it's going to come close. It was, and yeah, then ever since then, like I say. I, it, was, it was that and uh, when I got, I got injured so early on in my wrestling career. But when I made my, um, my comeback from that as well in Defiant, the reaction I got that day too, it was it's this incredible feeling when say that happens on a Saturday and you take it all in and then because your brain can't actually work it all out, you get to Wednesday and then all of a sudden it's like a big endorphin dump and you get, you get it all of again. You're like, oh man, and that was probably one of the hardest things I had to adapt to when we couldn't do it anymore. Like I didn't realize how much I lived for, not lived, that's not true because I'm a proper oh, enjoy every day guy, but how much it actually added to what I already had. And not, uh, well, it's two things. I mean, not having any more sucks, but it also, you know, when you hear like John Cena and The Rock go, well, I like being an actor, but nothing, you know, compares to that live feeling of wrestling. That's what it is. And I think that's one of the reasons I love wrestling so much is stories are great and the wrestling is great but it's this which is another reason no fans has sucked it's that connection between the wrestler and the audience that is completely unique to uh to to the whole the whole thing and it's probably because again yeah because my plan was to have one match and now i'm you know probably up over 100 or whatever it is and while i'll go back i think it was in that moment when i realized this is something i don't want to i don't want to let go of which is bizarre because here we are now on the fourth of february and in about four weeks' time, yeah, it'll be a year since I've wrestled. It's funny, old life, isn't it? <laughs> you never really know what's going to happen.
0: I always uh, equate wrestling to, you know, the Godfather three quote. You know, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> Absolutely, man.
1: Absolutely,
0: it's the best thing in the world. But please, brother, put yourself over. Where can people find you online? All that good stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I got the embarrassing Twitter handle of Simon Miller three sixteen. Again, when I set up Twitter, didn't know how entrenched I was going to get in wrestling, but it's there now, so it's all good. That's kind of like my one-stop hub. You can find me on Instagram there too. But yeah, I mean, what culture wrestling is probably the most pertinent place to go. You can hear me ranting and raving all week long. And again, yes, if you would like any fitness advice, which very nicely uh, has been described as simple and accessible, which is the dream, if you just search for Simon Miller on YouTube, it will come up. And yeah, you mostly get a video every day of me just trying to make the gym a little bit easier for everybody, especially at the moment when over here in the UK, we can't even go to the gym. So yeah, if I could help at all, it's a couple of thumbs up from me.
0: And also add in, uh, I really enjoy uh, when wrestlers do shoot commentary over their own matches and you have some of those on your YouTube channel as well. So I I do, man.
1: Yeah. And again, I get a few people go Miller, why don't you do more? It's like, I've literally, I have no more matches. (laughs) I've talked over all of them. I can't actually, I'll tell you the truth. I've talked over most of them, but there's some where, I watch it back. I'm like, I don't want anyone to see this. <laughs> 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 so they, no matter how many views they could potentially do, they will stay in Simon Miller's vault. I know I'm a work in progress, but you know, I love all that. It still makes me laugh. You still get some people going, Miller, you're you ru- you co cofabe. You're ruining the business. I was like, dude, I've heard Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin sit down and talk about their WrestleMania 13 match. I'm pretty sure if they're allowed to do it, we're all allowed to do it. Surely that's yeah. how this stuff has got to work. Surely. Well, thank you very much for being on the
0: podcast. I appreciate you taking the, your time. Um, and I apologize in advance for this. But brother, for this interview, you get an up.
1: Anyway, thank you. Very I've never much been giving up. an up. I will take it. No one has ever given me an up. So, man, I will take that. And I'll remember that for the rest of my days.